Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Have you ever taken a trip? Now, I know most of you have, but I'm I'm talking about, have you ever taken a trip that was not by car, but a trip that was too far to drive, somewhere where you had to fly. If you've done that, well, then you know that sometimes uh, the airlines, it can be kind of a tricky thing. There are long lines, security, late flights, missed flights. It can be, it can be quite cumbersome. And one of the most frustrating possibilities is the possibility of lost luggage. Anybody ever had their luggage lost by the airlines? It's not a fun experience. Uh, You go to get your checked bags, and you're watching that carousel go round and round, and your bags are not coming. Something's been mixed up. There's been a mistake somewhere. You're in Florida, and your bags are in Texas. You know, sometimes that kind of thing happens. An international flight, that can be even worse. Uh, This past summer, my brother went on a mission trip to Romania, but the luggage for the whole group didn't go to Romania with them. Uh, They were set to work at an orphanage, but their luggage didn't arrive, so they didn't have the tools, the clothes, or the medical supplies that they had packed to bring, They didn't have the games, the crafts, the activities. They didn't have any of the donations that they had acquired from their different communities. Uh, And they didn't have a lot of their own personal clothes or items. Some of that luggage eventually made it to Romania after they were back home. Uh, Some of that luggage never made it through Germany, which was one of their connecting flights. So they were forced to adapt and to improvise. One comedian was talking about when this happened to him, and he told the airlines, he said, I gave you my luggage a few hours ago, and it ain't on that spinning thing right now. And they apologized, and they told him, they said, well, hopefully it'll be on the next flight. If not, it'll come on tomorrow morning's flight. In the meantime, don't worry, here you go. And they gave him a little bag that said across the front of it, an essentials kit. They gave him an essentials kit. He said, oh, these are the essentials. I must have overpacked. All of that stuff that I meticulously packed and wanted to bring with me, I guess these are the essentials. This is packed with food, shelter, and love, isn't it? You know, it's a little funny because it's sarcasm. And the sarcasm acknowledges our frustrations. If we packed it, we packed it for a reason, and we want it. But the truth is that most of the time, most of that stuff isn't really essential. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he gave them a model prayer. He gave them a good example of how to pray. And in that prayer, Jesus prayed about real-life essentials. The prayer is called the Lord's Prayer, And again, as we've done the last few Sundays, I'd like for us to quote that together. So please stand with me and say this along with me. This is Matthew 6, verse 9 through 14. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You may be seated. So did you, did you catch it? Did you catch that little phrase in there? First, Jesus in this prayer approached God with reverence and respect. Hallowed be your name. And then Jesus prayed to God for his kingdom and for his will on earth here as it is in heaven. And then he prayed, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It seems like such a simple prayer. And really it is. It's a simple prayer, but it has a lot of significance. So what does it mean to ask God for our daily bread? The most obvious meaning is that when we are asking God for daily bread, we are asking God to take care of us. Bread has always been a primary food for people. It's a staple in our diets. It's the oldest food that doesn't require foraging or hunting. It represents both health and provision. How many of you like bread? Let me do a quick survey. How many of you like white bread better than wheat bread? How many of you like wheat bread better than white bread? Okay, several. All right. I recently heard that, you know, donuts are made out of yeast, and therefore yeast donuts could be considered bread. So donuts are my favorite bread. I'm going to go with that. Uh, There are literally hundreds of different kinds of bread. There's whole grain, rye, sourdough, pita bread, soda bread, matzah, potato bread, challah. There's on and on hundreds of different kinds of bread. Bread is something that is incredibly essential. And, And even today, in our Western culture, we associate that word, we associate the word bread with even more than just food. Back in our culture, when most homes only had one working person, that person who was working was called the breadwinner. And one of the slang words that we use for money is bread. I read a story about the Korean War. And after the war, there was a lot of children who were left as orphans. And for a while, they were orphans on the street, not knowing where their next meal was going to come from. And eventually, as they were brought into these orphanages, one story that an orphanage told is an obvious story. It was a story about how the kids were, you know, feeling all this anxiety and nervousness. And they were restless at night as they tried to go to sleep. They were getting, in the orphanage, they were getting three meals a day. They were being cared for, but the trauma was still unbearable. And eventually they found something that would help. At night, they started giving each of the kids a slice of bread. And it wasn't a slice of bread to eat before they went to sleep. It was a slice of bread to hold on to as they fell asleep. And apparently... That safety and security of knowing that they would have something to eat the next day gave them a peace and an ability to sleep. It gave them a sense of security. When Jesus prayed to God and he asked 
give us our daily bread, it's possible that he phrased it like that, that he called it daily bread. It's possible that he used that phrase very, very intentionally. Because when the disciples heard that prayer said like that, it probably jogged their memory. And what do you think they would have remembered? I think they would have remembered their Jewish history. I think they would have remembered the Exodus. When God led his people out of slavery and into the promised land, I think they would have remembered when their ancestors spent all that time in the wilderness. Because do you remember? They grumbled to God because they felt like they didn't have enough to eat. And in Exodus 16, God says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And that's what God did. Every morning when the dew lifted across the ground were all these white flaky bread items. I mean, this white flake that was like bread. And they called it manna, which in Hebrew sounds like the word that means, what is it? That's what they called the manna covered the ground each and every day except on the Sabbath. And on the day before the Sabbath, they were instructed to collect enough for two days. For that day and the next day, which was the Sabbath. But every other day, they were only supposed to gather just enough for that day. It was literally their daily bread. When Jesus prayed and asked God for daily bread. He was asking God, God, keep doing what you've always done. Keep doing what you've always done. He was asking God to take care of us. So let me ask you this morning, can can you look back at your life and can you see God's faithfulness? Can you look back at your life and see God's faithfulness? Can you look back and see how God has provided for you? Can you see how he has given daily bread? I'm guessing that most of us can. And I hope that that encourages you to keep coming to God, to keep trusting that God is going to keep providing Remember, this was an example that Jesus gave in prayer. This was Jesus giving an example of prayer, teaching us how to pray. So when we come to God, when we come to God, it is perfectly okay to come to God with the things that we need. It is perfectly okay to come to God to ask him for what we need. It is perfectly okay to come to God in total dependence. God invites us and God expects us to come to him and to ask him for what we need. Sometimes, I'm afraid, sometimes we come to God almost as if, we come almost as if we just need God to fill in the gaps. So often we just come like that's all we need. We're kind of, it's almost like we're saying, hey God, I'm doing all right. God, I've got everything covered. Life is good. I'm doing okay, God. Things are all right. Things are good. I don't need you too much, but if you could just do this one thing for me. That's sometimes how we come to God. And I'm just going to say this. That's not a good place to be. 
That's not a good place to be with God. It's not a good position to be in with God when all you need him for is just this little bit of help here and there. If we get to a point where we don't need God each and every day, then I would honestly question if we are living in Christ. Asking God for our daily bread is all about acknowledging how we need God each and every day to keep taking care of us. It's trusting that God will provide. And I, I really like what the Bible scholar named D.A. Carson said about this. D.A. Carson was talking about this request for daily bread, and he said that praying for our daily bread is praying for our needs, not our greeds. Praying for our needs, not our greeds. We aren't asking God for wealth and abundance. We aren't asking God to make us rich and healthy and well and everything great and good. We're asking God to provide the essentials. We're asking God to provide the care. It's the same attitude that's found in Proverbs 30. I came across this proverb several years ago, and it's one that's always stuck in my head. Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9. Don't make me either rich or poor. Just give me enough food for each day. Because if I have too much, I might reject you and say, I don't, I don't know God. I don't need God. If I'm poor, I might steal and disgrace the name of my God. So God, just give me enough. Just give me what I need. Praying for our daily bread is trusting God. But it's also about being content. It's also about being content. And when we talk about being content as a Christian, we have to talk about the Apostle Paul. Because Paul both demonstrated it and he encouraged it. Paul demonstrated and he encouraged an attitude of contentment. Here's what he said in Philippians 4, verse 11 and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Paul had moments where he had very, very little. And Paul had moments where he had a lot. I've been well fed, he said, and I've also been in positions of hunger. And whether it was in plenty or in want, God gave me the strength to be content. Do you think Paul was content? Because he trusted God for his daily bread. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day called the More Than Money Podcast. And the topic was about being content. And a man named Roy Vargas was sharing his testimony about how he was living as if success, money, and prominence was all that life was about. That's everything that life was, was success, money, prominence, and that had become an idol. That had become a God in his life. And then everything he had, which was quite a lot, came crashing down. And in that wreckage, he realized how lost he was. And that's when he turned to and found God. 
And he now travels the world speaking about the danger of chasing wealth, attempting to find happiness. He talks about data and he talks about facts that show that even though the material, even though the material comforts have statistically increased, especially from the 80s to now, the, the stats on material comfort have increased, the stats on overall happiness has declined. He shared four tips on how to become content. Number one, stop comparing yourself. Can anybody else raise your hand on this and say, that's an issue I sometimes find myself in. I get caught up in comparing myself with others. Stop comparing yourself. Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. When we look around and compare ourselves to others, it only causes one of two reactions, and neither one of them is good. It causes one of these reactions. Either it could cause us to become prideful because we're doing better, and so we look at others that aren't, and we think, oh, I'm doing so much better than them. Or, it, more than likely, it causes us to become jealous. Because we typically don't compare ourselves with those who have less or with those that have greater difficulty, we typically look at those who have more. And that breeds envy into our hearts. James chapter 3, verse 16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So, don't compare yourself. Count your blessings, not the blessings of someone else. Number two, be thankful. Be thankful. Stop and take note of everything that you have. Especially note this. Why not try taking note of everything you have that you don't deserve? Because how true is that? That most of us have so much more that we actually don't deserve. We don't acknowledge that as often as we should. And it's a very humbling thing when we do. Give thanks for your family. Give thanks for your family. Give thanks for your spouse, your children, the food you get to eat, the home you get to live in, the bed you sleep in, the income you have, the car you drive, your friends, for the beauty of this world, for music, for stories, and the list goes on and on. Thanksgiving is coming up real soon. And we think a lot of being thankful when it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming up real soon. Our house is going to be full, and I am so excited about it. My, our parents are coming down. My parents are coming down. My brother's family's coming down. Both our kids and their spouses are going to be home. I am going to be giving thanks for my family, and I'm going to give thanks for some really good food. I'm looking forward to the turkey, my mom's sweet potato casserole, homemade rolls and noodles, my wife's chocolate pecan pie, Yes, there's a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> when you actually stop and you count your blessings, you can become more and more content. Number three, be generous. Be generous. Now, we're, we're selfish by nature. That's a part of our sinful struggle, that by nature... We are selfish. So we have to learn to be generous. Nobody comes from the womb and becomes a naturally generous person. That's something that is learned. We have to learn to be generous. But we have a real good example 
of what that looks like. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God has been incredibly generous to us. He gave his son, and because his son gave his life, our sins can be forgiven, and we have salvation. Matthew 10.8 says, Freely you have received, freely give. The generosity of God ought to compel us to be generous people. Give a generous and anonymous gift to someone. Take a moment to do something outrageously nice for someone. Give a way bigger than expected tip to your waiter or waitress. Pray for the, or pay for the person behind you in the drive-thru. Make a payment on someone's bill or their debt. When you put generosity into practice, you'll also be coming more and more content. And number four, look to the cross. Look to the cross. God has taken care of way of so much more than just our physical needs. God has taken care of our greatest need. And for us as Christians, the greatest, our, greatest, our greatest contentment should come from knowing that we are saved by grace. The truth is, we've been given beyond what we deserve. We deserve punishment for our sins. We deserve hell. But we've been given grace. God has extended his love and his mercy, and we're forgiven. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. That promise and that peace of salvation should be more than enough to settle our discontentment. We don't have to achieve a certain status. We don't need to search for meaning and purpose and pleasure. We don't need to look successful and accomplished. We are loved and we are accepted by the God of the universe. And the blessing and the abundance of eternity has already been given to us. You know, if bread is meant to represent our greatest physical need, this prayer reminds us that we can trust God to provide. But we also have an even greater need, and it's a deep spiritual need. We need the guilt of our sin taken away so that we can live life to the fullest and live beyond this life in the presence of God. And Jesus was given for that purpose. God took care of the greatest world problem, the problem of sin. We are forgiven, and our relationship with God has been restored through Jesus. Jesus is the bread that fulfills our spiritual need. In John 6.35, Jesus said it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You talk about daily bread. Jesus is the bread of life. There's an old story about a man coming to the United States a long, long time ago. Uh, and the man saved every penny. 
He scraped up everything, saved every penny, so that he could eventually buy a one-way ticket on a ship coming to the U.S. He packed for the trip, but he was really concerned about eating on the trip, about surviving on that long journey. So he packed up a whole bunch of uh, crackers and cheese and fruit. But a few days into the trip, he found out that his food was getting low. Uh, the crackers that he had left were becoming stale. Some of the cheese was getting moldy. The fruit was spoiling. He had just a little bit of money, and so he decided to go to the dining hall on the ship just to see if there was anything that he could buy. When he got there, he was overwhelmed with how much food they had setting out, and he was even more surprised to find out that the food was included with his ticket price. It was already paid for. Friends, God has promised to take care of us. And our ticket home has already been purchased. It's been paid for. And He's going to take care of us on the way. When we pray, Lord, please give us our daily bread, we are acknowledging that God is our provider. He's the one that is taking care of us. We are confessing our desperate need for God. Each and every day, day by day, step by step, all along the way, we need God. And he will not fail to provide because he is faithful. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.